Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you please take your Bibles and open them to Psalm number 31 and 1 Samuel chapter 9. Psalm 31 and 1 Samuel chapter 9 in a Bible study that I've entitled The God of the Ordinary, or you could say The God of the Mundane. Because there is that question that comes up over and over again that we desire to be answered so much. Sometimes it's asked this way, how does God lead his people? I mean, how is it that I can follow the lead of God? What does it look like? What should I look for? How do I hear the voice of God? How should I train myself to listen? How do I know what God's will is for my life? Maybe even deeper, you're here today asking the question, why am I here? Why am I on the planet? What is God's purpose for my life? What did God put me on the planet to accomplish? Maybe even more personal, you ask, why do I work here? Why am I unemployed right now? Why am I in the midst of this trial? Perhaps it's in your status. You say, why am, some of you are asking, why am I a single today? And then some of you are asking, why am I married? Now, don't ask that question. You know why. Don't be asking that question. But there is inside of us this desire to know what God's will is for our lives. We've been redeemed. Our sins have been forgiven. And we recognize now even that greater purpose of our lives. And I believe God would remind us today that there is purpose in everything with your life in Jesus Christ. Nothing is wasted by God. That he is working all things together for the good, for those that love him, those that are called according to his purpose. And he does speak, and he does want to lead. Notice in Psalm 31, this is something that's been on the mind of every believer for every generation. And it's well well expressed in Psalm 31, verse 1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge and a fortress of defense to save me. And I love verse 3. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. We think of Jesus being the great shepherd that leads his flock. He doesn't push, he doesn't pull, he doesn't prod, but he leads us, and our response is to follow. But we wonder sometimes, how is it that God leads us? I mean, there are those times when we think, well, if I really want to hear the voice of God, then I need to get away. I need to get away in perfect, complete silence. You know, kind of like a monk, you know. I need to go live in a monastery, get away from the craziness of life, get away from the busyness, and if I could just get alone, away by myself, in a cave somewhere, then God's voice will be clearly heard. Now, let me say, getting away for private times alone with the Lord is a good thing. And I believe there can be more clarity when we move away from the busyness of the world. It can be very glorious and good. But you know, that's not the only way. And that's not really an accurate picture of how God leads and speaks throughout the scriptures. 
Other times we think that, well, you know, I know how God will speak. I'm going to finally pull the Bible off the shelf and I'm going to play Bible roulette and I'm going to split through and Lord, I've got this big question and I've got this issue and so right here is the verse. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid for joy over it that he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That's it. I'll sell everything I have. God's told me to sell everything I have. And hey, last night, the verse that I did that with, which says, and she will be left desolate. Wow. (laughs) You want to be careful. While God does speak primarily through his word today, Remember, we're learning in the book of Hebrews that God has spoke a lot of different ways in times past, but in these last days has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not by flipping the Bible and landing on some obscure verse and saying, that must be from God to me. Still others, they like to hear from God. They think that God can only speak when God hypes things up. And they have some deep emotional experience. And, and there's the supernatural and they're speaking in tongues in some high expressive way of his move, of his spirit. Like God only speaks in the clouds or God speaks in a fire by night. Or man, I am not doing a thing until God speaks to me through that burning bush. Well, I have to say that God does touch the emotions and God has used hyper expressive ways to, to get people's attention throughout the Bible. But once again... That's not the normative way that God speaks. Do you know, there will even be times where people will visit our church for the very first time. They'll come into a setting like this. We'll have a sweet time of worship. We'll have communion together. And then we'll go through a Bible study. And they'll come up afterwards and say, you know what, I just don't feel the spirit here, Pastor. I'm like, what do you mean you don't feel the spirit here? I mean, God was worshiped today. We remembered him in communion. The Bible was taught. And what they mean is, is just there was no action here, man. There was nobody yelling, screaming, running. It was, there was no action. There's no spirit here. And yet, we have to understand that there are times when God speaks to the emotion. But most of the time, most of the time, life is very ordinary. Have you found that to be the case? Life is very ordinary. And because it's not so hyper excited and people aren't being stirred up, that doesn't mean the Lord's not here. He is very much in our midst right now. And we believe that by faith. He is moving and changing lives even as I speak. God, I have found, often moves and speaks supernaturally in very natural and normal ways. We have a variety of ways that God has spoken and can speak, but more often than not, God leads and speaks to his people as they are in the process of doing the daily routine, or you could say the mundane things of life. Now, we don't use the word mundane very often, so let me define it for you. Mundane means lacking excitement, dull, regular, or routine. And wouldn't you say most of life is like that? Anybody want to say amen to that? Just the normal, regular routines of life. I get up, take a shower, have breakfast, do my devos, go out, work, come home, go to sleep, wake up, take a shower, brush my teeth. I forgot to do that yesterday. Brush my teeth. (laughs) You know, it's just normal, everyday stuff. That's life. And yet because things become ordinary and routine, we may miss the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit in everyday life. Which brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 9, meeting a man by the name of Saul. 
Now we meet Saul here in chapter 9 of 1 Samuel as a son. He has no position, no title. He's just living life. He's a son. And we'll see the interactions with his dad as insights for us in learning how to interact with the God of the ordinary. That we would learn to redeem the time for the days in which we live are evil and the coming of Jesus Christ is at hand, church. And he's wanting to prepare himself a bride, the church, to be ready for his return. However, in the ordinary things of life, when things aren't happening and things aren't, you know, because most of life is very regular and ordinary and routine, and yet God is in the middle of it all. Chapter 9 of Samuel represents a change in the life of the children of Israel, because up to this point, God has used judges in their lives, leaders known as judges, to, to take care of them, to hear from God and lead them. And as you read through the book of Judges, you've seen that they were in a vicious cycle, these people, these worshipers of God. They would sin, pay the consequences, cry out to God, God would answer, give them a judge, and they'd go through the whole cycle over and over again. But they've had enough of that. Now, with Samuel the prophet, the people are demanding to have a king. They don't want God to rule over them anymore. They want a king like everyone, all the other nations. And they ask and demand a king. And that king, his name is Saul, the first king. But notice as we meet him in verse 1 of chapter 9. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerar, the king of, or the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul and a choice and handsome young man. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, please take one of the servants with you, arise and go look for the donkeys. So here's Saul, a very nice-looking man, very sharp, tall, very impressive outwardly. We meet him in a time where parts of his character are revealed that are parts of integrity. Those of you that have studied 1 Samuel with us, you recognize that Saul also had deep character flaws that he never dealt with before God. Deep character flaws. What I mean by deep character flaws, think of it this way. You know that your tire has a slow leak. It's a slow leak. So because it's a slow leak, it's a little deceptive. And what do you do? You keep driving on it, you keep going, but I'm telling you that slow leak eventually will either end in one of two ways. Your tire will blow or it will completely deflate. But that leak needs to be dealt with. So it's true with you and me and my life and yours. The character flaws that God reveals to you, even as small or insignificant as you think they are, must be dealt with. They must be dealt with not only in the moment, but for all that God has for you in the future. Because I'm telling you, character flaws will end in one of two ways, but they'll both be disastrous. You'll either have a big blow up and affect many people, 
or yo, that small leak will end in a deflated relationship with God that has become ineffective and unusable in the hands of the master. So Saul at this point, we see great characteristics. And there are three things in this text that I believe helps us connect to the God of the ordinary so that we can be led by him and hear his voice more clearly. First of all, I want you to notice that the dad here asks his son to go look for the donkeys. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very appealing, very attractive. Hey, Saul, come here. I've got something for you. What, dad? What do you have? You know, his dad's very wealthy, very successful. They really have everything that they need. So what do you want, dad? Well, I want you to take a servant. Okay, I'm ready. I want a servant, and I want you to go find my donkeys. Dad, seriously, I'm your son. Can I just send a couple? Why don't you send a couple servants? But you know, he doesn't do that. He obeys his dad. Can I say one of the greatest things you can develop in your life is a pattern of obedience. Not cop an attitude when you don't like something. Just do what's before you. I would even say to those of you that are younger, that are still living under your parents' authority, perhaps even living in your parents' home, the best thing you can do with your parents is to obey them and not cop these attitudes with them. God, and this is very important, God never in any way blesses disobedience. Never. When you and I choose the path of disobedience, we immediately become at odds with God. Imagine that. We've taken a position against God when we choose disobedience because you can kind of put yourself in that same shoes and say, hey, hey, uh, son, I want you to go and I want you to mow the lawn. Dad. Hey, just mow the lawn, man. Dad. Seriously, dude, mow the lawn. Dad, get out. Mow the lawn. Like automatically you're at odds with your dad and your dad's not going to change. He's asked you to do something. Okay, take it out of the home for a moment and remember that one of the greatest representations and revelations of God is God as our father and we are his kids. And the best habit you can develop is a habit of obedience that flows from your abiding relationship with God that you trust him. And if God asks you to go look for the donkeys, go look for the donkeys. Go take care of your dad's stuff. Be faithful. So how do you become, how, what's the first step of being on the pathway to meeting the God of the ordinary? Do what's before you. Do what's before you faithfully, number one. Do what you're asked to do faithfully, number one. Be a faithful brother and a faithful sister. God is leading Saul here through the mundane task of obeying his dad. It's not the donkeys, although God will use it. And it's not the, all the pieces of the puzzle, but rather he's walking in obedience and God is leading him in that walk. When you are in disobedience, God will redeem it, but you are delaying the process of God's word to you. You say, like, hey, man, go look for the donkeys. Oh, I don't wanna look for the donkeys. And that's your problem. That's your problem. You go, Ed, come on, that's so silly. Nobody in, ever in my whole life has ever asked me to look for donkeys. I know, me either. 
But think about all the little things in life. Think about, well, think about your job. The one you complain about, the one that you're upset with, the one that you maneuver and you try to work this deal over here and get this time off over there and take down this boss over here and oh, that manual, oh, the employee manual, oh my, oh, I can't stand the, yeah, yeah, that job, yep, yep, that place, yeah, the one where you are upset and mad and the boss came in and said, hey, bro, I want you to go look for some donkeys. Oh, donkeys, donkeys. Yeah, you know, it's important for you to do what's in front of you and to be faithful. It's vital as a follower of Jesus Christ to do what is faithful, to do what's before you and to be found faithful. Paul would write, the Holy Spirit would write through Paul in Corinthians that he said, you know, we're stewards. We're stewards or the word that we use today is like we're managers of God's stuff. And what it's required in stewards is to be found faithful. You want to hear the voice of God? Be faithful. You want to be led by God? Be faithful. Because out of this faithfulness will come a tremendous calling of God on Saul's life. This is the guy that's looking for donkeys is going to be the next king of Israel. Imagine the leap from donkeys to king. But see, it was the inside that led him there. Many times when God desires to redirect a person's life, When he's ready to reveal a new direction, it's often in the ordinary, in the mundane. God so often works supernaturally through very natural ways. I think of some of the men that God spoke to in time past. I mean, think of Moses. Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he met a burning bush that God spoke out of. The bush was burning and didn't get consumed. But do you know in that same text, Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says this. Now when Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, that's when the burning bush showed up, when he was in the backside of the desert taking care of the flock. Or I think of Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, you mighty man of God. But where was Gideon? Gideon was faithfully threshing the wheat in a wine press. He was fearful. He was afraid. And yet his fear did not prohibit him, didn't stop him from being faithful. You know, threshing wheat was usually done up on a hilltop so that the wind that would be up there could separate the wheat from the chaff. But he's doing extra hard work to protect the wheat from the invading Midianites. And it was when he was faithfully threshing that God spoke. How about David? I find it interesting that David's whole life changed when he was delivering food to his brothers. He was delivering cheese. He was a cheese delivery boy. He was door dashing it, you know? (laughs) Taking care of things faithfully. But it was there that he heard. It was there that he he heard what Goliath was saying and he stood up when others weren't willing to. How did he get there? He was faithfully delivering food on behalf of his dad. I think of the followers of Jesus Christ So many of them, when Jesus called them to follow him, they were diligently doing what was in front of them. Some were collecting taxes, you come follow me. Some were fishing, you come follow me. Some were cooking a meal, you come follow me. But the key to hearing the voice of God, the key to being in a position to be led by God, number one, is do what's in front of you faithfully. Number two, number two. If you want to hear the voice of of the Lord, you want to follow his lead, 
don't just do what's in front of you faithfully, but secondly, do what's in front of you diligently. Diligently. Would you turn over to Colossians chapter 3 for a moment? We have the New Testament principle here, Colossians chapter 3. And I want to read it to you because this is so important. Those of you that complain, those of you that are upset, those of you that are unhappy with your lot in life, those of you that are wondering, what is God doing with my life? Listen, whatever God is doing with your life, be faithful and be diligent. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. Be the most faithful and the most diligent. It says in verse 16 of Colossians chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And this is the verse I want you to mark. This is an act of worship. This is an act of obedience. This is it. This, this summarizes the whole time today. Verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do it all in the name of the Lord and do it diligently. Notice back in our text in 1 Samuel chapter 9, in verse 4, it speaks of Saul. He obeyed, he took off. It says, he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, and they didn't find them. Then they passed through the land of Sha'alim, and they were not there. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but did not find them. This speaks of diligence. I want you to notice the text. Notice what he says. He passed through. And then secondly, he went through. And then thirdly, passed through. And then fourthly, passed through. Like, this is some diligent stuff. They, they, he didn't just kind of peek over the fence. Oh, don't see them. Don't know where they're at, Dad. But I mean, he obeyed and he went off and he passed through and he passed through and he passed through and he passed through, but they still couldn't find them. He was diligent. I believe believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ should be the most diligent men and women on the planet earth. Diligent at work, diligent at home, diligent in their church family, diligent in the community, diligent with effort that you recognize what you do has meaning both now and eternally, that God is using you, that, that we would not only do the job, but we would do a good job, a great job, go above and beyond. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said that we're to go the extra mile. You know, I've been walking with Jesus now for 28 years as a believer. I've been pastoring 23 of those years. And I have to say, I've met many believers that just aren't diligent. They just don't want to, they don't even want to go the first mile, let alone the second mile. And it's embarrassing for the body of Christ. Laziness, murmuring, complaining shouldn't be named among us. But you know, it's a part of our flesh. And we got to deal a death blow to our flesh. We can't be feeding our flesh. We can't be feeding the, the parts of us that don't represent Jesus Christ. Listen, you know, like, like in the context of the church here, you might come up and go, you know, Ed, uh, I, I want to uh, serve God here. You know, what can I do? And so I'll ask the guys, and I go, what's going on? What is, what's needed on here? And the guys say, well, you know, Ed, we haven't taken the trash out yet. And I look at you and I say, well, go take out the trash. Now, you don't use these words, but your eyes tell me this. Many times I'll get this response like, what? 
Take out the trash. I didn't ask you to take, I don't want to take out the trash. I'm not here to take out the trash. I am a mighty man of God. I've come here to teach the words. As a matter of fact, Ed, what I want is for you to be absent next week so I can be up there and teach everything. That's what I want to do. Just take out the trash, bro. I don't want to take out the trash. Or if you take out the trash, you know, you don't even look, you don't clean the, the trash can, you don't, like, you get so upset when what you want to do doesn't line up with what God wants you to do. And that's a problem. We, we bring this nonsense into the church from the world because the world has ingrained in us that we're to work hard and get to the top. And whatever the top might be, you know, you might aspire to be the CEO or a business owner one day, or you might want to get to a certain level. And, and ambition and growth and using your skills and talents in the workplace is, is not what I'm speaking of. I'm speaking of this mindset, get to the top at any cost. And that your value and worth is only measured by how high you've gone and how much money you have. And that stuff comes into the church. So that your attitude in the church is, well, you know what? I'm on my way to the top. I'm going to work my way to the top. And when you think of taking out the trash, you think, well, I paid my dues 20 years ago. Paid your dues? Paid your dues? You're talking about paying your dues in the church? Paying your dues? Like, we don't talk about paying our dues in the church. You want to know why? Because compared to what Jesus Christ paid in replacement and the for, for the forgiveness of your sins, you paid nothing. So just take out the trash. Just take out the trash. Be a servant. Because in the world, the way up is to get up as fast as you can, no matter who you hurt or take advantage of. But that's not the way in the church. The way of following Jesus Christ is not up, but it's down. It's down. The farther down in servanthood we can go, the more effective we are. And how does that happen? Number one, doing what's in front of you faithfully. Number two, doing what's in front of you diligently. Why? Because whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus Christ. It's his mark on it. So go the extra mile and the extra mile and the extra mile and the extra mile. Why? Because it's in the name of Jesus Christ. You're stamping his name on everything that we do. Saul, he passed through, he passed through. He, I mean, he, the, he went for it. He was faithful and he was also diligent. One of the great tests that we face many times, follower of Christ, one of the big tests in our life is when God allows our agendas, our plans, our goals to be challenged with the mundane things of life. Where you examine your life, you might be here, I think the Lord, Lord is speaking to some right now, that you look at your life and go, I don't like where I'm at. What am I doing here? Why am I here? And I'm just gonna go through the same old routine over and over again. And you're frustrated. And you're wondering, what is God gonna do? And the question is not what is God gonna do, the question is what are you gonna do? Will you be faithful and diligent even when things aren't lining up with where you thought you'd be at this age, at this stage, at this season of life? Will the banner of your life and mine be, like it says in Numbers chapter 12, he is faithful in all my house, saith the Lord. Will that be the banner in your life? Will you be the faithful one that redeems the time? Because thirdly, and finally, 
Not only was he doing what was before him faithfully, secondly, not only was Saul doing what was before him diligently, but let me add a third for you. He was also doing what was before him spiritually. He did not factor God out of the equation because we see that in verse five. In verse five, it says, when they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, come, let's return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, look now, there is in this city a man of God and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let's go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. And Saul said, but hey, if we go, what shall we bring the man? And so the bread in our vessels is gone. There's no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? And they have this conversation to go look for this man, the prophet Samuel. You see, Saul didn't factor out the presence of God from the equation. They set out very diligently looking for the donkeys, ran out of all their supplies, and now he's beginning to worry about his dad. Hey, it's not even about the donkeys anymore. It's about my dad. What about my dad? He's going to start worrying about us. If you think he was worried about the donkeys, what's he going to think about us if we're not there? And in this conversation, God is brought back into the equation. That's his heart for you today. Bring God back into the equation of every area of frustration in your life, every area of difficulty, every area of work and the mundane tasks of life. Not only did he do what was before him diligently, but he did it spiritually. Instead of being overwhelmed by the situation, Saul asked for God's help in this matter. And this is impressive. He looks to God in the midst of his daily doings, in the midst of his difficult daily doings. And I want you to jot this down and remember this. This is so vital. Listen, I'm going to even repeat it to you. Learning how to do the simplest thing spiritually is an essential ingredient to your spiritual maturity. Learning how to do the simplest things spiritually is an essential ingredient to your spiritual maturity. It helps you grow up being faithful with the simple things, the basic things. When someone can keep their cool, when everything going on around them is out of control, they can just keep moving forward in him, it's a powerful thing. It's a testimony of God's faithfulness in your life. I think of you moms here today. I think of moms who day by day are passing through all kinds of things with their kids. They're passing through this, passing through the dirty diaper, passing through the dirty dishes, passing through the dirty kid, dirty everywhere. And then it's crazy and the kids are fighting and yelling and throwing and Oh, and some of you moms not only do that, but you also go to work. And you get all the kids arranged, and then you go to work, then you come home, and you take care of the kids, and you have the home. And oh, some of you moms, you, you go to work, you also are taking care of the kids, and you homeschool. And oh, and some of you moms, you're single moms. And so you've got everything on top of that, and you're doing double duty as a mom and dad. Oh, and some of you moms are going to school at night. Oh, and some of you, like you're passing through and passing through and passing through, and yet in every dirty diaper and every dirty dish and every dirty difficult thing with your kids, you are raising the next generation to follow Jesus Christ. And we commend you for your commitment to do what needs to be done. 
it's not easy. I know that applies to a few dads here as well, and I could easily describe so many different things in our lives that we pass through and we pass through and we pass through. Some of you are working two or three jobs, not because you want more, not because you want the better, because you're trying to make ends meet and you're trying to make a provision and you're doing what it takes to get it done. And you're doing what it takes to get it done in Jesus' name. And it's so vital and important because when you cease to see the spiritual value of what you do, you're not going to take it so seriously. I think, I don't know why this came to mind, but I think of the faithful guy that stacks the oranges at Safeway. Somebody stacks those oranges. And then some punk kid comes and takes the orange on the bottom, pulls it out, and then the oranges fall on the ground. You know how I say that? I'm not talking about your kids because I was that punk kid. So I know of what I speak. But then it's somebody's job to go over and pick those oranges up and stack those oranges again. And so there you are. Spill in orange aisle. Oh, the oranges. All right. And you get over there and you're stacking the oranges and the kid is hiding behind the lettuce waiting for you to finish because he's going to come back and he's going to take that orange out. And there you are. You're the orange stacker. One after another, one after another. And it can get frustrating. What am I doing stacking oranges? God has greater things for me. I should own an orchard and make orange juice, but I'm stacking the oranges one by one. And that kid, that kid comes in every day. You're just stacking the oranges. And yet for the believer, you recognize that you are stacking those oranges in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know that somebody's watching you stack those oranges? Somebody's appreciating that you stack those oranges? Do you know stacking oranges actually isn't even the issue? The issue is this. Are you willing to do what's in front of you faithfully? Are you willing to do what's in front of you diligently? And are you willing to recognize, even if you don't see it today, that every single orange you stack be it at Safeway, or at King Supers, or at Sprouts, or at Whole Foods, wherever you're the stacking oranges person, that you realize you're stacking those oranges in the name of Jesus Christ because you know there is somebody that's watching you. You, you work with people. You, when you're stacking oranges, people are seeing that. And it just could be there's somebody watching you go, man, if I was you, I'd be so mad. I'd be throwing the oranges around. They'd, take, they'd call the police. I'd be going out with handcuffs on because I'd get so mad with stacking the oranges. Why don't you get mad? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Have you ever considered that every orange you stack, every delivery you make, every phone call you answer, every patient you see, every paper you file, every... Every DoorDash delivery of cheese that you make is an opportunity for God to display his wonder and glory, lead you and guide you through the ordinary mundane things of life. And should you choose to cop an attitude, you will miss out in that moment what God is trying to say to you and how God is trying to use you. And you know, moments, they build up. And you may be the person that comes to church and go, I just don't hear the word of God anymore. I just can't understand it. I don't know what God wants to do in my life. And we would say, well, what's the last thing God told you to do? 
well, he told me to stack oranges. And I said, well, have you stacked oranges? No, I hate stacking oranges. Well, let me suggest this to you. Why don't you go back to work and stack the oranges? But God hasn't called me to just stack the oranges, all right? Because as you learn faithfulness, and you stack those oranges in Jesus' name, even if the kid pulls one out, I assure you on the authority of God's word, you will not only hear the voice of God, but you will sense his very presence, setting apart what you do to bring him glory. Everything you do is significant when it's done in Jesus Christ. It's all used to point attention to him. You are his vessel. He not only wants you to do what's in front of you, but secondly, he wants you to do it diligently. And not only does he want you to do it faithfully and diligently, but he wants you to do it spiritually. Because little does Saul know, he did not wake up that morning saying, I will meet Samuel the king, or I will meet Samuel the prophet, and I am the next king. He doesn't tell his dad, you want me, dad, the next king of Israel to look for the donkeys? I shall not do that, subjects. Oh, man, he's like, you want me to look for donkeys? I'm out, man. Hope I find them. And at the end of the day, or a couple days, we don't know how long it took, he doesn't find them. Hey, you know, there's a man of God. Yeah, let's go. We got to take him something. We got to find this man of God. And it's that divine appointment between Samuel and Saul that God was arranging behind the scenes to accomplish exactly what he wants to do. And we're, think about it. This was such, going to look for those donkeys was so important. We're studying it now thousands of years later as an example of God's faithfulness through the ordinary, simple things of life. You may have found today that you have a frustration or a question of why God has placed you where you are or why God has given you that responsibility or why God has you in this position and nobody knows you, nobody sees you. You believe you're so insignificant. It's a small thing. You're looking for donkeys, filing papers. But Jesus said that when you do something faithfully, when you take care of those kids, when you fix that clutch, when you sell that product, when you deliver that package, when you mend that wound, when you teach, wash, you're doing it all in the name of the Lord. And not only do rewards await you, but you'll get to see presently the work of God on the earth right in front of you. And you won't be asking about the voice of God or where God's leading because you'll see his leading everywhere and you'll hear his voice even in the most simple of things in your life and mine. Have you ever considered, a couple things before we go, have you ever considered that while you're complaining, your voice is so loud that you cannot hear the voice of God? I mean, we've all done this. Some of you are probably worse than others, but I know when I'm talking to Marie, she gets really upset when I interrupt her. I don't know why, but she does. And her point is very well taken, and that is while I'm talking, I can't be listening. And when I don't let her finish, then I really don't know what she had to say. And not only that, for those of you that don't interrupt, you go, well, Ed, I'm not like that, I don't interrupt. But you do another thing. You think in your head how you're going to respond while the other person's talking, and while you're thinking of your, in your head, you can't hear the other person. And so often we do that with God. 
Like we're thinking in our head, we're trying to figure it out, and then we're out talking, I don't like this, I can't stand this, I hate this. And while you're doing that, you're not hearing from God, you can only hear your voice. Look at, be faithful, be diligent, and be spiritual, and you will hear the voice of God. He will speak to you in everything that you do. Let me consider this. I read about a Persian, a legend of a Persian king that wanted to find a faithful servant. He wanted to promote a faithful guy. So he chose two guys and gave them wages and told them to go to the well, fill their baskets with water, and then come and inspect their work. Well, after they brought some of the baskets up, they laid it down and bring the baskets up. Uh, the water would spill out, and by the time it came up, there was only a little bit of water. And one of the guys says, you know what? I can't believe this. I'm not going to do this anymore. The other guy says, hey, look, I know it's taking a lot of work, and I know it's really hard, and I know by the time the basket comes up, there's only that much water. But I think if we both do it, and we both go down, we're, we're going to get this job done. But the other guy goes, you know what? I don't want to do this. This is dumb. Every time we bring it up, uh, the water spills. I don't got time for this. And the other guy says, no, we have wages. We're getting paid for this. Let's just do what we were asked to do. One guy quits, another one continues on doing the work by himself. And as he's continuing the work, he notices as the water is drained out of the well that there's something shiny at the bottom. And as he looks, he notices that there's a diamond ring at the bottom of the well. And he says, now I can see what the purpose was of pouring out the water into a basket. He says, if the basket had been brought up, the ring before the well was dry, then it would have been filtered out and it would have spilled. We never would have seen it. See, not only was God looking for a servant, but he was looking for the depth of character by giving them something to do that would lead to frustration. And so he kind of concludes, oh, the king was looking for a ring, but he actually wasn't looking for a ring. He was looking for a faithful. He was looking for faithfulness. And there you are, taking the basket down, pulling it up. And you go, what is this? What is this going to amount to? What is the point? And yet at the bottom of the well, at the end, at the end, if you stay faithful, at the end, there's a reward. But there's also a reward in the journey. Do you know that God rewards faithfulness in and of itself? He rewards diligence in and of themselves that the end is actually this moment, responding to what God has for us in this moment. When you and I can learn that the issue in life isn't what we see, what we're doing seems to be so fruitful. The issue in our life is not what we see, but what God is doing behind the scenes. And when you and I can just live faithfully, day by day, one day you'll get to the bottom of the well and you'll see for yourself, <laughs> it was worth it that's it. It's the diamond. And while the king has the diamond, he also has the diamond of his servant. And both are rewarded. I find it interesting that Pastor Ian used that illustration for this service. I don't think he did in other services on communion when he talked about Isaiah. Isaiah's there in the presence of the glory of God and he's just undone and he's, he's just blown away by the heavenly scene. And you know, the, the scene goes on in Isaiah. It says, who can, who can we send? Who will go for us? Comes from the throne. And what does Isaiah say? Here I am. Send me. Very often, 
That is the fundamental passage that stirs and motivates people to go to the mission field, to pick up and launch out, here I am and send me. But that wasn't the call in Isaiah's life. The call in Isaiah's life was to go right back into the day-to-day mundane prophesying of God, to speak to a people that didn't want to hear him, didn't want to receive from him, to speak to a people that rebellious against God, that actually were mad at Isaiah and mad at the message. It wasn't some great and glorious land. I get to finally leave these people and go to the mission field. Now, that may be what God has called you to, be, to go, but the, the, the reality of that passage in Isaiah was, here I am, send me, and he got sent back to do exactly what God called him to do, to speak to a rebellious and resistant nation, day by day, moment by moment. And God, when you sanctify, when you set apart what you're doing for the glory of God, you will be amazed at how God uses it in your life and the life of others. So Father, we ask that as we turn our hearts towards you and enjoy some days off and and get some rest, that we would redeem the times. That you would redeem the time of which we live in the ordinary, mundane parts of life. Like Saul, we would get up and look for the donkeys. Like Saul, we'd be faithful to obey. Like Saul, it's too bad he didn't do it the rest of his life. And that the character flaw in him exploded. But I'm grateful for the examples of when he was faithful. I'm grateful, God, for the example here today that reminding me to be faithful, to be diligent, to be spiritual. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to repent of your sins and to ask God to forgive you and turn the reins, the authority of your life back over to God. Jesus said that no one can come to the Father except through him. And he calling you to, he's calling you today to follow him. Even as you're in an ordinary setting, listening to an ordinary Bible study, in an ordinary place, in an ordinary city, God is calling you. And he's asking you to follow him. He's asking you to leave behind your sinful past and to dedicate your life to following him. So if that's you today, and you say, Ed, I, I want to follow God with my life, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. And I, I speak to you guys downstairs because I always know there's a huge group of people down uh, in front of the TVs or in the overflow room. Obviously, people listening live on the radio in the last few moments here. But for the sake of anyone here in this room, I'm asking you, respond publicly, confidently, with your life, following God, turning your life away from your sins, repenting and asking God to forgive you. There's no other thing to do. This is, this is it. This is the decision. This is the moment that God is speaking to you directly. And I want to give you a chance to publicly affirm your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're here, stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. God bless you, man. Who else would say, that's me? Today's the day. Now is the time. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on behalf of you. God bless you over here on the side. Over here as well. Back in the back over there. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a minute because I want you to talk to God. It might be uncomfortable, but it's, it's not. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, God bless you guys. 
and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I, this is a high and holy moment. I would just encourage you, please don't get up. Please don't walk out. This is life-changing right now. This is God's work among us. And I still believe there's more, and so I'm just going to wait a few moments. If that's you and you've been battling, just respond. God bless you. Yeah. So pray with me, would you? You're talking to God. That's what prayer is. And say it out loud. Say it, say it with great fervor and commitment. You can talk to God and say something like this. Dear God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me. And I believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I dedicate my life to following you from this day forward. Help me to turn away from my sinful past and to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.